Faith. Really, what is faith? I will start by saying that faith is a spiritual law. When something is a law, it is not expected that it is broken. But faith is not just a law. It is a principle. And when something is a principle, it remains unchanged, no matter how long it has been existing, unless an higher principle is introduced that overrides it. Before I continue, I want to beg you that please write, document everything I'm saying because beyond listening to this message again, God will be speaking to you too from what I'm saying that you need to be able to write down. So I'll say that again. Faith is a spiritual law, a law that cannot be changed. And then faith is a principle, a principle that cannot be altered. I was young and now I'm getting older. And I've come to realize that there are certain things that have not changed since when I was young till now. One of the simple ones is one plus one. It's two. No matter where in the world that you go to, no matter how you want to analyze it, if you had one plus one together, it is two. Because it's the law of addition. There is the principle of multiplication. Two times two is four. There's, there's absolutely nothing that can come into that principle. It remains constant. There's something in mathematics that we call the constant K. It's just constant. And that's what faith is. It's a spiritual law that cannot be changed. It's a principle that cannot be altered. After salvation, the concept of faith is said to be the most important thing that a believer must learn. Because the Bible has already explained to us that actually by faith were you saved. And it's only wisdom for you to understand the tool that brought about your salvation in the first place. He said by faith, or oh, you were saved by faith. With the mouth we confess, but with the heart we believe. So if faith was the tool to which you enjoy redemption, to which you enjoy salvation, any wise student knows that that kind of tool must be fully understood. What is faith? Hebrews chapter 11 verse 1 is the best passage that we can start with. And I'm going to read it from the Amplified Version to give us an understanding of what faith is. It says, now faith is the assurance, title deed, confirmation of things hoped for, divinely guaranteed, and the evidence of things not seen. The conviction of their reality. Faith comprehends as fact that cannot be experienced by physical senses. The Amplified Version is helping us to understand that faith is a title deed, confirmation of anything that you are hoping for. Title deeds are mostly used 
when we talk about properties, when you want to buy a property, you sign the deeds of assignment or the title deeds as they call it. You might not have gone to the land to start building, but when you are holding the title deed, it is more or less that the land is already yours. Faith is like the receipt of payment. You know that sometimes when you want to buy probably a car, you go inside maybe the car mat and then you pay for it and then they sign the receipt and give it to you. But the car is still outside. You have not even entered the car to start it. But by the receipt, by the congratulations that the person who is selling the car is saying to you, you already know that the car is yours. And that's what faith is. It is the confirmation of the things that you are hoping for. Amplified continued and said, it is the proof of the things that you don't see. So, you can't see it yet, yet the Bible is saying you have a proof. And that proof is faith. It says that it is the conviction of reality. You are convinced in your spirit. You just know that is already yours. That's what faith is. If I want to simplify this definition, I will say that faith is what makes you confident. It's like a confident conviction that God will do everything that he says he will do. The confident conviction that God will do what he said he will do. Why? Because faith is the receipt that he will do it. So there is confidence and there is conviction. You can't separate the two. Confident conviction. Meaning that, you see, when you are convinced about something and you are confident about it, it's going to show when people even ask you questions about it. You are so confident in how you are behaving. If you have seen someone who is manifesting boldness before, the confident level or confidence level based on probably what the person has, who is for the person, you know, there are some, when you submit an exam or a test, you write a test before, or you have written a test before, and then everybody is saying they were not sure of the answer. Especially all those tests that the teacher wants to mark right in class. There's a confidence that you have when you are sure of what you have written. When people are trying to argue, there's a boldness to which you tell them, don't worry, I know what I wrote. I'm going to pass this exam. That's what faith is. You are so confident that nobody can change your mind concerning what you know. And not only are you confident based on just nothing, there is so much conviction in your spirit. These kind of things cannot be acted. It's either there or not there. Do you know that people pray and actually the source to which they pray from is worry? There's no confidence. There's no conviction that God is even going to answer their prayer. Some people seek God out of anxiety. Some people do it out of pressure. But when faith is in the equation, is a confident conviction that I know him whom I believed. I'm not, I, I am certain that it is done. Faith is what makes what you need. Another definition. In the future, real to you now. When you have a need in the future, something that is going to be futuristic is something that probably in the realm of the physical, it can happen now. 
faith will make it real to you now. Faith makes what you need in the future, it makes it real to you now. There is just that understanding that God has done it already. There are times during the prayer cruise that we have said, dance like your testimony is here. Actually, that statement is wrong. We should be saying dance because your testimony has arrived. I remember there were some times I said, how would you celebrate when it finally comes? Faith now makes it so real to you that it has come. That it has come. And so you begin to act like you already have something that is coming in the future. You have not gotten the result, but you are already talking as if <laughs> it is settled. I've seen people trusting God for traveling before their visas, and they were already arranging their box. Faith makes what you need in the future real to you. You begin to practice. You begin to prepare. And faith, let me say it loud and clear, many times faith will not make sense to those around you. And so, if faith makes sense, then it might not be faith. And when it is faith, sometimes it will not make sense. Because it will, so, it will be so real to you that your neighbor will be asking, is everything all right with you? It will be so real to you that people will be wondering, are you okay? It will be so real to you that even your closest partner will not understand where you are coming from because there's just an assurance. You can just see the reality that it is done. What is faith? Faith is that tool to which we bring the unseen into the seen. When you want to see anything in the physical, as I said earlier, faith is a principle, faith is a law. It is the tool that brings the unseen into the seen. It is okay for me to say tonight that faith is actually like an additional sense that God has released to the believer. Do you know that all of our senses, especially when we talk about seeing, when we talk about hearing or tasting or smelling, all of those senses actually brings the unseen to the sin. Let me explain it. Do you know that as you are listening to the sound of my voice from where I am now, you can't see me talking. But as I speak, I am sending something that science calls waves. And the waves is moving from where I am, getting to any device that you are using and getting to you from any part of the world that you're listening to me. Your ears capture that sound and then your ears translate it into my voice and then you can hear it. So what has happened to you is that your ears has become the tool. The tool that translates and converts the waves that cannot be seen into something that is now tangible to you that you can see. That is exactly what faith is. Faith is that sense that captures the unseen. It could be what God has promised. It could be what you are trusting God for that is not yet tangible to you. Faith is that sense that captures it. And when it captures it, it translates it into something that is now 
physical to you. So for example, as a believer, I'm praying, I'm trusting God. God, I need a car. God, I need a car. Faith is that sense that will capture that car in the spirit because <laughs> there is no car physically. And that faith, that tool will capture the release by God, either by his provision, by his inspiration, whatever means to which God releases it. It could be a word of comfort that now it is done. Faith captures that, translates what is unseen, and makes it into something that you can see with your physical eyes. That means you will never be able to see anything that is unseen except by faith. I will say that again. No matter how long you pray, the ability to see what is unseen physically is going to be traceable to your faith. What is faith? Faith is the activator of the new covenant. We're no longer in the old covenant whereby we had to rely on the death of goats and the death of cattle and the death of doves. We have now been accepted in the beloved. And just as I quoted earlier, we are saved through faith. With our heart, we believe. We believe that Jesus Christ died for our sin and by that sacrifice on the cross, we have been forgiven. Now we are accepted in the beloved. Now we are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Faith is what activates that new covenant along with all of his realities. That is why Hebrews chapter 11 verse 6 says that without faith, it is impossible to please him. And that will take me to the next definition of faith. That faith is also the tool to which we please God. You cannot please God without faith. And if you are not pleasing God, how can you receive from him? You cannot please God without faith. It's impossible to please him. It's impossible to please him without faith. Hebrews 11.6 says, For he that cometh to God must believe that he is. Faith is to believe in the existence of God. Believe that he is. It takes faith to believe that there is a God. Not just a God who exists, but a God who is with you, who is in you, and who is for you. Those are the three important things that you must know about God. A God who is in you. A God who is for you. A God who is with you. Don't just come to God out of anything that brings you. Things bring men to God. He that cometh to God must come with faith. Don't come to God with pressure. Pressure brings people to God. Religion brings people to God. So many things can bring you to God. But God is saying, if you will come to me, come by faith. He that cometh to God must believe in his existence. Because when I believe that he exists, one of the things that is installed in my heart is natural fear for God. Believe that he is. That he is here, for example. This is the third time I'm ministering today. And I don't think, if you can hear my voice, you'll know that I've shouted because I was at my first church where we don't really have, we have a mic, but 
we don't use the mic. When there are two or three people in a church, there's no need to be shouting with a mic. Just talk to one another. And because we prayed for Nigeria today, we had to pray some very aggressive prayers. So my voice is cracking a bit. The fact that there are only two or three people or four or five people in church does not mean that I would treat that presence lightly because I must believe that he's there. He that cometh to God must believe. Many people say they believe, but their actions prove otherwise. How can you say you believe that God is with you, God is in you, there's a way of life that you will live when you know that God is with you. Oh, God is with me. God is with me. But you are in the wrong place. God is with me. God is with me. I'm praying. I'm doing this. But the same thing that you do is the exact same thing someone who does not fear God at all is doing. Oh, it is a joke. Anyone that commits to God must believe that he is. In believing that he is, the awe, the honor, the respect must be there. Believe that he is. If, for example, you are sitting down in your house and the president of your country, even though you may not like the president of your country, enters this you would behave but let's just assume it's your favorite presidential candidate that enters maybe the person becomes president and the person walks into your house there's a way you sit there's a way you compose yourself because you can see him physically but God is saying to you even when you come to me and you cannot see me Come with the lens of faith and behave like you can see me because that is the proof of faith. How would you act if he was here? There's this wonderful story that one of my friends used to share with children every time he's ministering that taught me a lot the first time I heard it. He was ministering to some children many years ago and um, probably his first set of ministrations and then when he was speaking to the children they were distracted you know how children can be playing up and down not listening not paying attention to him and so on and so forth so he called them together as God gave him the wisdom and he said to them do you believe God is here all of them shouted, yes. Because, of course, the Bible says wherever two or three are gathered in his name, there he is in their midst. So, all the children shouted, yes, he's here. And then he changed the question. If you were to see Jesus now, what are you going to do? And then people began to answer the question. I would dance. One person said, I will sit down. Another person said, I will hug him. Then he got to a little boy who said, if he was to see Jesus, he said he would become serious. And that was when he stopped. All of them gave different answers of what they will do if they were seeing Jesus. But few seconds ago, he asked them, where was Jesus? And they said he was there. Can you just sit down tonight and imagine many of our churches that choristers come to the altar, pastors come to the altar and says God is here and everybody says yes is here. And the reality of the matter is in the average person's heart they really don't believe that he's there. Because every single thing they are doing is not what they would do if he was there. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is. So that in worship, he 
if I was seeing the glory of the Father, physically with my eyes, I would be on my knees. Because I believe he has come, the posture that I would take is to be on my knees. Every time you live your life believing that he is, when you're about to make a decision, ah, you believe that he's here. And then people are wondering, do it now. And you're saying, ah, Jesus won't want me to do it because he's here. Then that man has begun to operate the tool of faith. I've said it and I preached it in church today. Do you know that there is nothing called secret sin? Oh, there's nothing called secret sin. Because secret sin is only secret to men. Secret sin is only secret to the people that you don't want to tell about it. Demons are not in secret. <laughs> what you call secret sin, they know it. Your secret sin is not secret to God because he was there. His presence is everywhere. The Bible says if you go to the heavens of heavens, it's there. If you go beneath the earth, his presence is there. The psalmist said, where will I run away from your presence? Where the problem is, is the reality that many don't believe that he is. You know, people can sin against God on the altar of God and nothing happens. People can lie on the altar of God and they are not struck dead. People can steal God's money and nothing happens to them. As a matter of fact, we know people who we sometimes say they are not even serving God and things are going well with them. <laughs> but he that cometh to God must believe that he is. There's need for consciousness and that consciousness is faith. You have not yet started to operate faith until you believe that he is. Wake up every morning in your quiet time and it's not a routine. You believe that he's here. Uh, unto God that answered prayer shall all men gather. When you are having it, that's why I said when you come to his presence, document. Because when an important man is speaking, you write, you believe that he's talking to me. And I value your word. My journal is by my bed. Speak, Lord, your servant is hearing. He knows I don't joke with his word. I believe that he is. Since last year, my hunger for believing his word has been heightened. And I came to encourage somebody today who wants to journey into receiving things you never even thought would happen. That there's a secret. And that secret is faith. Because the next part of that verse says to us, that is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Diligence in seeking him is proven as soon as you believe that he's there. The attitude changes. The behavior changes. And I will show you tonight before I close. Everything changes for the man who begins to believe that he is. What is faith? Faith is to become like a child. Faith is to become like a child. That's what faith is. Faith will make you like a child. It is children who believe and when they believe, people sometimes look at their belief to be like foolishness. A child believes that when you tell the child, I'm going to do this thing for you, even if it is virtually impossible, the child believes it's possible. A child can wait and hold on to the promise that you make to him that daddy said, he will buy me ice cream. You have not started to have faith 
if your faith has not made you look childish. Sometimes I wonder, maybe that was why Jesus Christ said, except you become like a little child, you cannot even enter into the kingdom of God. Faith will make you like a baby. Have you ever seen a child before? And then there's this thing we do for children. We throw them up. Have you noticed that every time you throw the child up and you catch the child, by the time you throw the child up the second time, maybe it was frightened at first, there's a smile that the child brings. What is the proof that you will catch the child? What is the proof that you will not let the child fall? But the child has faith. This woman that has thrown me up won't fall me. You do not have faith if you have not become like a child. Children, they believe. In your walk with God, you must believe like a child. Did he promise you he's going to do it? Did he say he's coming? He's going to come. Did he say we'll fight for you? He's going to fight for you. When faith begins to rise in your inside, it makes you into a child. Because you won't waver you would just believe children as inquisitive as they are when it comes to promises they don't have many questions to ask you you just tell them you will do it for them the next thing they are asking you is so when the next time they see you they are waiting when you tell them don't worry next week they will wait again faith will make you become like a child. Faith is to see what others are not seeing. Because in faith, we believe to see. We don't see to believe. We don't see to believe when we are talking about faith. We believe and then we see. And if you don't believe, you might not see. I'll say that again. By faith, we believe to see. And if you do not believe, you cannot see. As a roundup today, I want us to look at 2 Kings chapter 6 from verse 15 to 17. 2 Kings chapter 6 from verse 15 to 17. If you have your Bibles, I want you to run there very quickly. This is School of Spiritual Growth, so I have to read that scripture so that every one of us follows, and then that is where we stop today. All I'm doing is I am just defining faith to you because I want us to begin with this introduction and then we begin to dive deeper from our next class. Second Kings chapter 6 from verse 15 to 17. It says now the servant of the man of God got up early and went out and behold there was an army with horses and chariots encircling the city and then Elisha's servant said to him oh no my master what are we going to do he is the servant of Elisha who just stepped out into the city and realized that there was an army coming to arrest his master see the army with his physical eyes. He can't deny it. As there are many people under the sound of my voice who 
The reality of the matter is that you cannot deny the problem that is at hand. For example, I once received a call from someone very close to me who said to me, I just went for a test in the hospital. And it's a negative report. It's something that I never thought that was in me. Sent me documents of doctor's reports. I got up early and went out. That, that was not the plan. But here is the situation. There's a medical report that shows that there's a problem. There's a physical deformity that shows that there's a problem. There's a situation on ground that shows that there is a problem. And every time there is a problem, most times the next thing that we are asking ourselves is, what are we going to do? I said it to us during the prayer cruise that whenever there is a problem, who you focus your attention is proves to us who you are close to. And we see it through the servant of the man of God. When he saw a problem, who did he ask? He asked his master, what are we going to do? Do you know that there are some of us who when challenges face our lives, the first person we reach out to is not to God. It's to a man of God. And it's fine that you, are, you have close ministers of God around you. But you see, faith must be in God. Because there is no man of God without God. Though. I've said it over time. Let the man of God join you in prayers. Don't always let the man of God pray for you. Let it be a combined effort of trusting God together, of praying together, of doing things together. Don't have contractors whereby you believe that if the man of God says it, it is done. But if God says it to you, you still doubt it. And this servant said, what are we going to do? When we get to verse 16, Elisha answered and said, do not be afraid. And this is how clear it is that this reaction of what are we going to do was not born out of looking for a solution. It was born out of fear. Stop allowing fear to drive you to seek for answers. Don't let fear always be your motivation for seeking God, your motivation for prayer, for motivation for doing things. And I will go into some things that we will need to do in the coming weeks because the truth of the matter is that there are some songs, there are some words that we are listening to that for some of us, not for all of us, they are not good for us at the moment. They are stirring up fear they are stirring up anxiety. You know we like those kind of songs. There's a song that has been going around and saying, if you don't pray, Satan will make mess of you. And then everybody is like, the only reason why I need to pray now. It's a powerful song. As a matter of fact, I love the song. <laughs> but let not Satan making a mess of you be the motivation for prayer. Do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. Once fear is ruling, faith is not there. Elisha said, For those who are with us are more than those who are with them. Can I add something to faith today? Faith is proven by what you are saying. In the face of difficulty. It's easy for you to say you are blessed when you are blessed. But can you say you are blessed when you don't have anything in your hand? And listen to Bishop Oedeko. And he said, we're not surprised where we are now. If we were not here, we would have been surprised. I listened to him say it loud and clear. 
that while they had nothing, they were preaching prosperity. That everything that they are saying now, they were saying then, when they only had one pair of trousers. What do you say when everything around you does not support what you should be saying? Master, there is an army. And Elisha is saying, do not be afraid for those who are with us are more than those who are with them. Like, like what does that mean? Who is with us when we can physically see that there's a problem? Faith is proven by what you say. That a doctor says, you are sick. I are saying, no, not me. Never let any negative confession come out from your mouth this week. That's the first assignment. That when they are shouting there's crisis, you open your mouth loud and clear and say, not for me. There's no crisis here. What we enjoy here is peace. That when others are saying there's a casting down, there's no casting down here. What we enjoy here is a lifting up. When others are saying there's a prevalent sickness, no. Here we are healthy. When others are complaining about delay, it doesn't happen in this axis. What we enjoy is speed. When others are talking about pain, anxiety, depression, any issue whatsoever, stand your ground and stop justifying what the enemy is saying. I sat down one day and I saw somebody who was um, speaking to me and telling me a few things. And immediately there was anger in my belly. And I said, stop it. Stop accepting what they said these symptoms are. No. The devil is waiting for you to acknowledge what he's sponsoring. Because every time there is words, you see. As I'm speaking to you, if I say to you now, see a red dog. Immediately your imagination begins to see the red dog. That's the same thing he's doing by his words. When the servant says there's an army in the city, you can begin to see the army even if they've not come to you. But there is something else that you need to use to see, just as we have learned. Faith is that lens. See what Elisha said. Then Elisha prayed and said, Lord, please open his eyes that he may see. Lord, please open his eyes that he may see. That means what he was saying is, God, let him see with the eyes of faith. I want to show you something in this scripture that the Holy Spirit showed me. Because there's somebody under the sound of my voice that the eyes of your faith must be opened. You must stop confessing the negative and start seeing what God promised you. I've given us the first assignment for this week. Every day, ensure that no negative confession comes out of your mouth. Counter it. The second thing that you are doing is that your eyes must only see what God has said on your phone, on your laptop, on your walls, on your mirror, in your bathroom, this night, start writing things that God is saying concerning you. I told you that our class is practical. So, if you uh, take it serious, you will see the result. If you don't take it serious, you won't see it. Because one thing that must be altered is this last sense. So you must consciously alter your eyes to see what you are praying for that it is done. Open his eyes that he may see. There is something that you need to see differently. And one thing that you need to see is that God has settled it. Your eyes cannot see that it won't work. 
Many people have prayed, but there's a part in their heart that is still saying, what if this year God does not do it, or, or maybe when God does it like September? No, no. Stop accommodating negativity. Stop accommodating anything that you don't want. See differently. And the Bible said, and the Lord opened the eyes of the servant and he saw. So when a man asks that God should increase his faith, I will show us that next week, the disciples of Jesus asked for it. God opened the eyes of his servant. Now watch this. And behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire. Take note of this verse. It's very important. Surrounding Elisha. Many people miss this aspect because when Elisha was speaking to him, Elisha said to him in verse 16, do not be afraid for those who are with us are more than those who are with them. But when God opened his eyes and he began to see by faith, what he saw was not us. What he saw was a mountain full of horses and chariots of fire surrounding Elisha. That means his eyes became open to what the prophet saw. But still, his eyes could not capture God surrounding him. I will take that again. His eyes could see mountains full of horses and chariots of fire surrounding Elisha. But one way or the other, his faith level could not accommodate that he could be spared and still enjoy that benefit of God surrounding him. But his master Elisha, when he was seeing the chariots of fire, what he saw was the chariots surrounding them. It is so funny how many times we exempt ourselves from faith. You can believe God for others, but you still find it hard to believe God for yourself. When you see certain things happen for others, you can still say that, ah, God will do it for them and believe without doubting. Why can't you believe God for you? Elisha saw the mountain full of fire around them. A servant could see it around Elisha, but never saw them surround him. And this is why many of us never receive anything from God. Because we believe that some people are special. We believe that some people are holier. We believe that some people are doing it more. So certain things, when God answers them in a certain way, they deserved it. But it's hard for you to ask God for that same thing that some of them are asking for because you just exempt yourself and feel it, it can't happen to me. It, it can't be me. It can't be you. As a matter of fact, you will do it. You will have it. But it can't be me. I have seen some people trust God for twins for others, but they have never asked as much as they desire it. They've never claimed it for themselves. I have seen people believe for others for promotion. But they never thought that God could stretch his mighty hand and do it for them. Stop exempting yourself. By faith, receive your own. Elisha said, as I close, those who are with us are more than those who are with them. The servant said, 
chariots of fire surrounding Elisha. You will only see what your faith shows you. Why you can't see more is not because there is not more available. It's because you have not challenged your faith to see it. There is no special blessing for anyone because God does not show favoritism. There is no special miracle for anyone because God does not show favoritism. Everyone is receiving by how they are subjecting themselves to the principle of faith. I will stop here tonight. Two assignments that I've given you. Number one, as you go this week, when people release words that do not support the view of God, either on TV, messages going around in any country of the world, speak positively. Even if they are joking, don't let any negative word in your spirit this week. Number two, it is time for you to create a picture all around your life. Create pictures of faith. Everywhere that you can wake up to, begin to create pictures of faith. Write it everywhere. I'm begging you, write it consciously everywhere. And you'll begin to see testimonies even from this week. Let us pray. Father, thank you for the last one hour. Thank you because we know this is just an introduction of what you have in store for us. Father, teach us faith. Open our eyes to see. Open our eyes to see beyond our requests and then to begin to see answers. Open our eyes to receive things for ourselves. We are asking in your mercy that you help us to believe you even more. That this week help us to speak by faith. That this week help us to see the realities of the things that you are saying to us and the things that we say. Thank you because we know that at the end of this journey we are going to obtain promises. Blessed be your holy name. In Jesus' mighty name we have prayed. God bless you and see you next time.